with John 3, verses 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives in the truth comes into the light so that they may be seen plainly. That's what they have done, has been done in the sight of God. Loving God, we do thank you that you are a God who loves to speak. Speak to us, we pray, right now through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, calm our hearts, set to our minds, may we have ears to hear and hearts to digest what you have for us this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, church. I want to talk to you this morning about how only uh, King Jesus will do. It's only Jesus, if that's the takeaway you take. It's only Jesus who is the King of Kings who stoops down to be with us. It's only Jesus who will carry us when we need carrying It's only Jesus who will walk before us when we've got to go into those situations where if we're honest, we want to go the other way, not that way. It's only Jesus who will hold our hands through cancer, through depression, through whatever life throws our way because only Jesus knows what it is to be human because he is God with us and God for us. Amen? Amen. Shall I sit down now? No, carry on. There we go. Jesus doesn't trust you. Jesus doesn't trust you. These were the words that Bethany and I heard in Luxembourg when we were visiting some friends a few years ago in a church. And as I sat there and listened to this uh, person do a poor exegesis, I would say, of Nicodemus in chapter 3 of John's Gospel, uh, Bethany could see that um, I was I was getting animated. I was kind of doing something. You know, I was having a Sunday off. Uh, I should have been there, just sat there as a punter like yourselves, uh, kind of just, you know, thinking, right, I've got 15 minutes now to think about what's for lunch or what's on my to-do list or, you know, whatever you think. I'm sure you're thinking, you know, line for line, uh, like me going through the text. Anyway, I was thinking I'd have a Sunday off, but this preacher said, Jesus doesn't trust you. And I found myself being switched on, not switched off. And as I got my notebook out and my pencil out, I started jotting some notes. And I thought, gosh, I've not heard this message preached before from the gospel. And what this preacher was doing is he was trying to say that Jesus wasn't trusted because Nicodemus came in the night. Nicodemus came in the shadows. Nicodemus came in the hush moments, in the secrecy of the darkness. But as I sat there and I took notes and my breathing perhaps changed, I thought, actually, 
I'm not sure this is actually what's going on here in our text. So as the service ends, um, our friends are heading out uh, that way for lunch and planning where we're going to go. I'm heading this way thinking, I've got to go and speak to this preacher. I just want to hear more about why and how he got to this conclusion. Bethany says to me, come on, go away, leave it, it doesn't matter. And I said, I really need to say something. I just need to go and talk to him. And Bethany said, okay, well, you can walk. I'll go that way, you go that way. So I walk up to this preacher and I'm thinking, Lord, what do you want to say to this guy this morning? And as I walk up to him, I say one question. I say, does Jesus trust you to preach to me? And he said, yes, of course he does. And I said, well, preacher man, why does this King Jesus trust you but not trust me? Why doesn't he trust others? How have you got the Holy Grail and the rest of us are left out on the sidelines? Well, he then goes on to explain why he was trying to offer a play on Jesus' trust, a play to wake people up, a play to draw people in. And he also tries to talk about how Nicodemus didn't trust Jesus. I offered an alternative view and said, well, Nicodemus has come. He's crept out. He's at the place where Jesus is. He's heard something of who this man is, and he wants to meet the man now. That's why he's there. In the end, uh, he explains that he was trying to grab people's attention. I think I said, wow. I think I probably thought, mate, if you want to grab someone's attention, you don't need to tell them that God you know, doesn't trust them. They probably already think that. They probably already live in that shame and that darkness. They already think that God is against them. The church needs to be the upside down kingdom, the right way up kingdom, I would say, and tell people that we have the hope. Hope has a name and his name is Jesus. So if you're gonna stand up and preach, preach that message. That's how you turn people on. That's what people need to hear, and that's how we change hearts and minds. Friends, I hope you've never heard such a message preached here. You, you will never hear a message preached like that, that Jesus doesn't trust you whilst my name is over the door. It's Jesus' name that is ultimately over the door. And what Jesus says is that God is not out to get you, but he is out to bless you. He is not out to get you this Christmas. He is only out to bless you. If God's only son doesn't trust us, then why did he tell us to go and make disciples in all nations? Why did he tell us to go and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Why did he tell us to command every command, every way to live in the love because the law wasn't cutting it? It's because he trusts us. Read it. It's in Matthew 28. Friends, without Jesus' trust, without his tenderness, without him coming to us each and every day, then the great commission just becomes the great commiseration. We're left, aren't we, out in the cold. We're left trying to be holy. We're left trying to offer hope to our communities. But we've got no bread to give the beggar. We have bread because we've met the source of life. It's why we gather around the table once a month. 
because it's God who invites, it's God who draws us in. And we say we are people, we're beggars who have found bread and know where to get that bread from. In our text today from John 3, verses 13 to 21, we're going to talk about and look at how the king stoops down. And I want to pull out two points, not three. I know it should be three, being a good evangelical church, but I'm just going to go for two today. Firstly, Jesus trusts you. And secondly, Jesus gets you. In our text today from John 3, Nicodemus is told that if we believe and trust in him, we can have eternal life. It's there in verse 16. This is not eternal life that we get on our deathbed. It's not a life insurance policy that, you pay, that only pays out when you've died. It's the best insurance that God has paid for that makes us in credit that we can redeem today, that we can get a payout today on. Eternal life, friends, with God means that you can have hope through the Spirit in your heart right now in this place. Doesn't mean that you're on limbo. There's no, um, no um, uh, um, hold call. What do you call that when you're, when you're waiting on the phone? What do you call it? On hold. You're not on hold between now until the time you meet Jesus. You know, you're not waiting um, for the Beyonce music to stop or Mozart's or whatever they can afford to play on the hold line. You know, your call matters because it's been answered today and you get to speak to the son of the universe, Jesus Christ. And he says, what are you going to do today, sisters and brothers? Where are you going to go, sisters and brothers, today? And how can I empower you? Why? Because I love you and I trust you. So in the very life of Jesus Christ, Nicodemus has sat there in the darkness, but in the presence of light itself. And he's meeting the eternal one, isn't he? The one who is with us, the one who is for us and the one who gave us the Holy Spirit so that you and I can be like Jesus each and every day. So how do we gain this eternal life? Only Jesus. Only Jesus who stoops down. Only Jesus who gives us the Holy Spirit. Only Jesus who gives us grace. Only Jesus who gives us confidence to take a step out each day, to get out of bed, when quite frankly, some of us might just want to stay in there. Only Jesus who gives us the authority to bound things that are not of God and send them away and bring in the light of Christ because that will have the final say. Only Jesus who makes us faithful, lifelong disciples of Jesus. Only Jesus will unify this community of Western Supermare and put the super back into Western Supermare. Only Jesus who gives us total acquittal. Not half, not a little, but all. Because it's his blood that covered it on the cross that makes us walk in our freedom each and every day. And it's only Jesus the God who stoops down to be with us, to carry us, to walk with us and to hold our hand each and every day that can give us the fullness of God. Friends, we can and we must, as we go and live in that eternal life of God, realise that Jesus has everything that we need. 
And it's all because what he has done for us on the cross. And as we see this king who trusts us, who wants to stoop down and be next to us, we see that we can have a relationship where we grow to be more like him. Do you know that you can be a friend of God's today? God doesn't want to be your enemy. You weren't created so that God could just be up there and send bad things your way and tear you off. You're not in detention anymore, but you're in credit. You get to be like Jesus through the Holy Spirit each and every day. You get to have hope and peace and mercy and all the fruits of the Spirit, not when we get there, but today, because of what Jesus has done and what Jesus wants to keep doing through you and by you. And it all starts with love. And if we're really brave, church, if we're really brave, we realize that we can love ourselves as Jesus has loved us. I don't know about you, but it's so easy to love other people, isn't it? It's easy to forgive them. But when I sin, when I mess up, when I hurt people, oof, I think, God, can you really deal with me? You can deal with them, but he can. How are we going to trust Jesus today and to realize that he wants us to love ourselves as well? It's only Jesus in us and for us that this revolution will begin. It started here, didn't it, 125 years ago when we were gifted the, the tin hut across the road. And it starts every single day when we say yes to Jesus and no to ourselves. It's the day that we realize that Jesus trusts us, that he wants to build his kingdom here with us. It's the day when we find ways to love our enemies. It's easy, is it not, to walk away from those people that hurt us, that are difficult. We have them in this place, you might be surprised. But we've got to walk to them and we've got to bless them because we've got to see as Jesus sees them, loved children of God. And it's how we can be that person in that community this week. It's only Jesus who can save us from all the fear that shut us up, that make us step down, that make us walk away. It's only Jesus who can liberate us because it's his love that hung on the cross because he trusts us. Jesus was lifted up on the cross. He was lifted up at his resurrection and he was lifted up ultimately, wasn't he, to the glory of the Father. So sisters and brothers, hear it declared proudly and loudly here at Western Supermare. Jesus, the King of Kings, trusts you. So learn to trust him a bit more today. Last year, I had the privilege of putting um, some Easter and Christmas services together for all the UK prisons. There was about 64 prisons uh, that we put the service to, uh, a four, uh, and it was about 80,000 prison cells. We realized that there's a, a TV in most prison cells, and we thought, well, how do we use that to extend the kingdom of God? We put together a service, uh, a kind of 40-minute um, service of faith and fun, and as we were putting it together, I got to meet a wonderful guy uh, called Lewis. Now, Lewis uh, was um, 
in and out of prison. Uh, he was in Winchester Prison for a time, which was where I was down uh, and a curate at. Uh, and as he was in and out of prison, he was in and out of a life of crime. Uh, and he was stealing kind of 10 pound shirts uh, in the end, just for the thrill. Uh, and just because he didn't want to, the establishment to have his money. Uh, and he got to a really dark place in and out of prison. Um, but ultimately, he found Jesus. Or should I say, Jesus found him. And here's what Lois said. He said, I found myself in prison. And two years ago, before that, uh, I wasn't working and my life felt utterly broken. And it was in that moment I surrendered and I prayed. And as I prayed to Jesus, I'm not going to say that I had a shining light come down from heaven, but I did find comfort in that prayer. For the first time in my life, I wasn't praying insincerely, but I got to get out of the situation. But what I found was help. Lewis today has his own gardening company. He has a family. He's out and about preaching the gospel. He's repented. He's done a full 360. He's turned around from those bits of darkness that he was running towards. And he's now running towards the light. And he has a lightness and a loveliness to him. Uh, and he's a wonderful guy. But it was only Jesus. The drugs didn't do it. The sex didn't do it. The shoplifting didn't do it. And he will tell you, it was only Jesus. So friends, why do some of us refuse to trust Jesus? Why wouldn't we want the fullness of life? What are you and I frightened of? Why in our text today in John 3, do some of us want to stay in that place of darkness and that place of shame? Well, in verse 20, we're reminded that all of us, all of us are frightened of being shown up, aren't we? I don't know about you, but do you have that dream where you're, you're, you're naked somewhere or you, maybe it's just me, uh, or you're being embarrassed by people? Do people get those, you know, and you just feel silly and you feel stupid? None of us want to feel that way. We all want to hide, don't we, the ugly bits behind walls that are really high We've barbed wired it and we've put snipers on the top because we don't want anyone to get across. We're frightened, aren't we, of being rejected. We're frightened of being lonely. We're frightened of people seeing us for who we truly are. But guess what? Jesus isn't frightened to see it because he's seen it, he's redeemed it, and he's loving it into a place of hope today and forevermore. And do you know that Jesus was human too? Every other faith keeps God up there. He's too holy. He's too pure. He's too God in his very nature. How dare he come down here to be with us heathen? You know, no, not at all. He stays up there. There's no stairs. There's no elevator. There's no lift. But in Christianity, God comes down. He comes in a baby. He comes in innocence. He comes to experience what it is to be you and your sister and your brother. He understands what it is to be lonely and let down and left out. And he comes and he hangs on the cross and he says, not my will, but your will, Father. He pays the price. The doors of heaven, are, are, they're taken off basically, aren't they? There are no doors now. The hinges have been removed. And he's there and he's saying, have the gifts, have the grace. God is for you not against you. 
Have you ever wondered if Jesus got lonely? Well, during his lifetime, Jesus watched thousands of his followers walk away. And when he was being prosecuted unjustly, his closest friends abandoned him out of fear. They did a runner. In Matthew 26, as he was executed, he's, uh, he, as he was facing execution, he stood alone. And in his darkest, darkest moments, as he died on the cross, Jesus, for a moment, felt abandoned. Have you ever wondered if Jesus ever got stressed? Well, in Luke 22, we see that Jesus' soul was so grieved to the point of death and that he was so stressed that he suffered a condition where his, his sweat glands raptured and blood started pouring out of him. He was so clearly challenged by what he was facing that he knew that death was the ultimate price for the ultimate victory. And he knew that love would win. But in that moment, we see his humanity. In our text today, what Jesus offers Nicodemus is what Jesus embodies in the incarnation. God made present in the flesh. God with us, God for us, God by our side, God never letting us down, God never walking out, but God always checking in and coming closer. That's the Christian message. Jesus trusts you. Jesus gets you. It's us that put the roadblocks in the way and make it harder for God to come. But guess what? He's willing to navigate the bullards and get to us and get to his destination. Friends, Jesus doesn't want to keep us in those pits of poverty where we choose to hide. The blood of Jesus has redeemed everything. The blood of Jesus has redeemed everything. So whatever you've done, whatever you've said, bring it to him in prayer every day and say, I'm sorry. I know that God says yes and amen and I forgive you. So what can be said about this king who stoops down, this king that doesn't stay up there but comes in here to the gift of the Holy Spirit? Well, friends, he's the one who laid hands on those who were sick and he's the one who, held, uh, who healed many of their diseases. He's the one who had compassion. He's the one who touched and healed the untouchables of their leprosy. He's the ones who, who restored those who could not walk. He's the one who noticed the woman who had been bleeding for years and because of that she'd been pushed off, pushed aside, pushed out. And he pushes her front and center and calls her daughter. Daughter. And by doing so, he both encourages her in her heart, he puts singing back into her core, and he also restores her back into her community. And on the Sabbath, when they should have all been quiet and behaving, he's the one who healed the man of his deformed hand, and he's the one who opened the eyes and the mouths of a demon-possessed man. And in the temple, 
in that holy of holy places, in that place where they had God hidden or put behind a, a, um, a massive curtain. Jesus is the one who calls over a sick woman and he says, woman, you are free from your ailment. He goes and finds you. He knows what you need today. And he says, let me heal you from it. Let me be the need. Let me sort it out for you. He grieves. God grieves. He cried with his friends. Jesus, only Jesus is the one who has tears and a few words to restore Lazarus and bring him back to life. And even when teaching in the synagogue, he leaves um, the place of holiness to follow a father who is desperate for him to restore his dying daughter. And what does Jesus do? He does what he always does. He goes and he brings restoration. Sisters and brothers, hope has a name. Grace has a name. Mercy has a name. Jesus. Only Jesus. He's the only one who will put our beauty back into our brokenness. He is the only one who is God in the flesh. And he runs to you and to me each every day because he wants to be in the center of our lives. So what are we going to do? How are we going to say less of us and more of Jesus? Well, we're going to make this church, aren't we? We're going to keep making this church a house of prayer, a house of mission. It's going to be a place where we keep the rain off, warm up our toes occasionally, come in, get a cup of coffee, but then go out and preach the good news of Jesus. What's the good news? God turns his face towards you. God sees you. He loves you. He wants to be in your life every, and, uh, every day. It's the hope of Christmas that we're offering because it's the hope of Christmas that we've received each and every day. I'm going to ask that we come into a